or podcast, apologies for taking a bit of time to get back on the airways. There's been a lot that's been happening in Scottish football. I know we say that pretty much every time we come on the air, but my goodness, uh, Rangers crown champions, Hamilton relegated, Kilmarnock in a battle for their 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 premiership lives. Uh, we preview the Scottish Cup final this weekend and Stevie Clark has announced his squad for the Euros. Richard Tobin, how are you, mate? Not too bad at all. Seeing the future once again in Sydney and uh, always good to be reconnected after which is too much of a prolonged absence. I think that you were actually just getting over the fact that Rangers... I, I know arguably Celtic were saying that they were the best team in the country, but Rangers, you know, they, they did win it by, oh, 25 points, if my arithmetic's correct. Is, is that there or thereabouts? Well, yes, that is true, Richard. That's, that's how it ended up. Um, yeah, Celtic went out with a whimper at, uh, against Hibs at Easter Road, a nil-old draw. Um, so that was Scott Brown's last game playing for uh, playing for Celtic. So, uh, yeah, a bit, of a, bit of a whimper. Of a bit of a whimper but i'd say the season's been a bit of a whimper so it's just you know the last few weeks have just been sort of quicker it was over it was over um it's, it's good to see fans back though i think uh, uh we are recording on friday morning and the game between dundee kilmarnock the first leg of the playoff has just completed dundee winning by 2-1 playing very well actually i saw some of the latter stages of that game i think kilmarnock would be a bit lucky to pull a goal back but i do i fancy them now that they pulled a goal back i have to say i thought dundee when this started i thought that they were going to be too strong for Kamara because Kamara have been consistently inconsistent all season and even with their Tommy Bounce they're still nowhere near where they should be. Well that's the argument is that can Kilmarnock play that badly again on Monday um, and they've also, Dundee also has to navigate the Plastic Park as well at Rugby Park so yeah look, advantage Dundee, I mean Dirty Dream, um, they've they finished the season like a freight train and like I said had they got their act together a little bit sooner in the season they might have pushed hearts a lot closer than they ended up doing however um, Kilmarnock have still got it all to do I mean they need to go out and, and get a win and wins for them this season have been few and far between whether that be Alex Dyer or Tommy Wright in charge um, yeah I, I and, and the first thing I noticed when I, I was I watched the goals this morning and uh it was the fans. It was the crowd, and yeah. they're all spread out. But you could hear them. You saw the the the, the players interacting with the crowd, like celebrating. Like Charlie Adams wrote his goal, and he, he ran in front of the 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 Dundee you know support, and was sort of you know pump, doing the old fist pump and that. And that's been missing for so long. And this whole season, it's just felt a bit artificial, a bit sort of like you know they're doing all these things to the camera, and it just must be like yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I, that that, that see, goes well for the Euros. Yeah, good to see them back. Um, on on a note of fans and and celebrations, uh, interesting to see the Rangers fans partying in Central Glasgow uh, after their particular Premiership success. Look, you know what? Deserve winners of the league, somewhat unattractive, I think, if I'm fair to say. Oh look, um, <laughs> the um, the 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 scenes that happened in George Square were disgraceful. I mean, I think. Um, everybody's called it out. Um, you know, the league was won back in March, so I don't understand the this sort of display of hooliganism. Really, I mean, you know, trashing the place, um, damaging property, fighting with one another. Um, there was twenty eight arrests. I thought they were dancing. <laughs> um, look, 
I, you know, I, I, and at the end of the day, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Like the numbers in Greater Glasgow are still spiking. We've got the Euros in three weeks. Like we don't want anything to jeopardize that. So I really, really hope there's no la- long lasting consequences. But this sort of thing needs to stop. It's just, it's just not acceptable. And I don't know if it requires stronger laws. Um, I don't feel that Rangers Football Club did enough to try and quell it. They, they, they were in lockstep with local council and policing Scotland leading up to the game. But then once the game was won, they, they pretty much switched off the social media for two days, except for posting pictures of people holding the trophy, which I say they're well entitled to do. But I kind of feel that they should have had messages pre-recorded just ready to go, like, you know, from Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister and that saying, look, we appreciate that this is taking such a long time for this to happen, but celebrate from your home, not in the middle of Glasgow. But yeah, that didn't cool. happen. And I think, that, I think very difficult for the police, but I, let's not spend too much time talking about that. It was pretty ugly and not a great moment. Uh, Rangers players winning the the major sort of awards in terms of uh, not surprisingly actually given the season they've had but Stephen Davis was a bit of a surprise to watch the Scottish Writers um, Player of the Year I don't remember us talking too much about him he's quietly effective in midfield at age 36 and then uh, Alan McGregor uh, winning the the, uh, the league's uh, nominated uh, Player of the Year Alan McGregor who his nickname is Shagger which I think is some reference to the carpeting materials that he uses in his house <laughs> um look i mean al mcgregor i mean i you can't argue with that i mean i was talking to my dad about this the other night and i reckon even against celtic he saved about 10 certain goals over across the four or five matches that celtic played rangers a season easily there was easily two a game when you went that's going in and he saved it so that's 10 goals just against celtic multiply that across the whole season he saved them so many points. So saved Rangers so many points. It's um, you know, he's well well deserving. You wouldn't think he was thirty eight or thirty nine, however old he is. Like it's just he really did turn back the years for this season, and he was a big part of Rangers' success. Um, and then Stephen Davis. It's something we've often said on here, but you know, the teams that do win a league. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do yeah, really tend it, to be um, tend to be you know have a quality keeper. Well, yeah, you're miserable at the back. You don't you don't concede soft goals, and that was Celtic's biggest problem this season was conceding soft goals. And Rangers' biggest improvement was not conceding soft goals. So that was for me that was the 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 switch, and that's what allowed such a change in points. Because I mean, obviously, it was Celtic won by 13 points last season when it got stopped. Rangers have won by 25, 26 points. So that's a, what, nearly 50, 50 point turnaround. So, I mean, that, I mean, not all of that's down to defending, but a lot of that is turning draws into wins by not conceding that cheap, that cheap goal. And that's what Rangers were, were fallible for when Gerard first sort of came on board um, there a couple of seasons or three seasons ago. Um, well, Hamilton Aki certainly shipped enough of them this season. They are well and truly down, not even a sniff of the playoffs. They usually pulled out the bag, and we said again and again, and pull it into that. even when we stopped tipping for Mullerbow, we thought Hamilton were going to pull it out of the bag. It's interesting to see him. I think I wonder how many teams actually had the ambition at the start of the season of finishing on forty-five points because four of them <laughs> managed it, um, and actually they got themselves in the right order. That's the first time I can ever remember post-split. 
that the teams are actually correctly divided on points and goal difference. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. usually you see that aberration, uh, seventh sitting above sixth in terms of points or goal difference or whatever. But this this time it actually all balanced itself out. Look, Hamilton just never really managed to string more than one good result together. So they were sort of up one week and they'd win and then the next week they'd beat and then they maybe strap a draw and then they'd beat and then they'd win and then they'd beat and beat and beat. So they just couldn't really get a run of form together at any point. And I think that's part to do with the young squad that Brian Rice had. Um, some of his more experienced players just got injured at the wrong times, weren't available to him. And for whatever reason, it just never quite clicked often enough for them this season. They got some good results. They beat Motherwell twice, I think, this season. Um, they took some big stouts, but they just the games that they had to win, the, the teams around them, they just couldn't get the results. And fair play, Ross County, I know when you know they, they, they ended up finishing third bottom, but they managed three wins in the last three games to stay up, stay out of any sort of relegation dogfight. So with, with John Hughes in the stand, I might add for well, a couple of <laughs> <laughs> but you know he just had them a bit of belief and i think that's what it was and sometimes that's what you need is it's not it's not that you're better it's not that you're playing well it's just that you've got the belief that you can go out there and get a result and two of those games i might add with ross county they went one nil down against hamilton Ackies, and they went one nil down against motherwell as well and there was a period of time when those games were going that Kilmarnock were beating hamilton Motherwell were beaten at Ross County, which would have meant Kilmarnock would have avoided the relegation playoffs. So for about 60 minutes, it looked like that was what was going to happen until Ross County banged a couple of goals in. And then... I can go from Ian Vigers, actually. That first mm. goal against Motherwell was an absolute beauty. And, and he's, I mean, he's been mentioned more often in this podcast for how many cards he acquires over the course of a game. Well, I, think, I don't think he's probably scored a more important goal uh, than that one because that's that's effectively kept them out. A draw would have done, but the 2-1 just made it a bit more comfortable in those last stages of that game against Motherwell, who had really had nothing to play for. Um, and yeah, and, and I think, I mean, I, my, my gut feeling was that Yogi would do it. Uh, I don't, don't ask me why, but I just thought Kilmarnock were honking for most of the season. And I think Tommy Wright just came in too late. I, I honestly believe he just, he didn't get his, his bum in there quickly enough. And I, I just kind yeah. of feel that he, you know, he had to work with what he had and it just wasn't, wasn't enough. Yeah, Kelly were already a putrefying carcass when he arrived. Um, so the Scotland squad has been uh, announced um, for the forthcoming oh, major tournament. Um, that was exciting. Which is the, the, the rescheduled 2020 European Championships taking place at a stadium near you, UEFA and all their infinite wisdom prior to the pandemic kicking off. Well, it is happening. It's good. Uh, hopefully Glasgow will still be able to get a crowd. It's a couple of weeks away. Um, Scotland playing the Netherlands on the 2nd of June and Luxembourg away on the 6th of June in warm-up friendlies before the first game in Glasgow against the Czech Republic on the 14th. I think the biggest controversy in the selection uh, was the omission of Ryan Gold, who's been playing very well in Portugal. Uh, Stevie Clark quite eloquent about his uh, abundance of riches in, in attacking midfield. And uh, your man, Che, has made it. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that squad, to be perfectly honest. I think he's got the right the right balance. Um, unfortunate for Kenny McLean, who picked up an injury and is, is going to be unavailable. Ryan Jack, also unavailable. It's a shame. So they, they, they were two players that did 
have contributions that sort of got them to that to the to the to the finals. Um, the the biggest omissions probably Lauren Shanklin's, um, Liam Palmer, Andy Considine, uh, and the other one that sprung to mind was Callum Patterson. So they were four squad players who featured you know reasonably you know in reasonable amounts through the the qualifying campaign and Stevie Clark couldn't find spots for them he's drafted in Kevin Nisbet um who ended up finishing the season strongly for Hibs after a bit of a blip in the middle of the middle of the season um he's also brought in three youngsters and Billy Gilmore uh David Turnbull and Nathan Patterson and I have to say I think it was a good touch I think it's it's looking to the future um, these players are going to be Scotland players for a very long time, you know, barring injury or, or whatnot. That you can see that they're going to they're going to be exceptional players, players for their clubs and for their country. So to bring them to a major tournament, I think, was the right move. And I can honestly see three, all three of them featuring through the tournament. Um, we really only have Steve. Well, Gilmore's quite an exciting prospect. I haven't seen very much of him, but I think that um, I think that he's quite an exciting prospect in terms of um, attacking options and, and that whole that whole sort Pat, of role. Yeah, Pat Pat Nevin was 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 bigging him up on the BBC, and he he he's taking some of the credit for talking Stevie Clark and it taking him, but um, but he sort of sits. He's a bit of a sitting uh, midfielder for um, for Chelsea and. We've lost uh, McLean and Ryan Jack, so that does potentially, you know, maybe open up a, a potential berth there for him. We, as I was saying before, there's only Stephen O'Donnell at right back as a recognised right back, so Nathan Patterson's effectively the, the 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 backup there. So there is potential that he could feature. Um, and then David Tumble, you know, he's been the shining light for Celtic this season. It's the one thing that Celtic fans hang their hat on and say, well, at least. David Turnbull broke into the team and he ended up winning the Football Writers Young Player of the Year uh, and he also won Player of the Year for for the actual Celtic um, team and Young Player of the Year. So he won two awards at Celtic as well. So he's had a fantastic season. We are, like you say, pretty well endowed in that area. We've got you know, John McGinn, Ryan Christie, <clears throat> you've got um, Ryan Fraser, uh, James Forrest, and all sort of players that off that striker. So, you know, he he'll be competing with that. But Steve Clark's basically said, "I'm taking everyone away. We're going to start training, and we'll see who's see who's up for it and see who's performing." So, yeah, interesting to see James Forrest straight back in there, and I think he made a big difference to <laughs> when he came back. You know, I think that the ability to um, kind of slot back into that team and actually make them look a wee bit different from how they've looked all season, which was super terrific, actually. Um, the, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the kind of upcoming fixtures for Scotland in another podcast. We are not finished for the season just yet, uh, but the Women's World Cup draw was made to qualifying for Australia New Zealand 23, uh, something very dear to heart. I passed the Moor Park rebuild every day. Uh, in fact, not, I don't think any of the games are going to be there. I think they're going to be at Stadium Australia, which is uh, in Western Sydney. Um, but Scotland have drawn Spain. Uh, who are the highest ranked team in their group. Uh, they've also drawn Hungary, uh, uh, the Faroe Islands and Ukraine. Uh, so I think they fancy themselves of qualifying out of that group. Um, but uh, it's it's first first team, the first finished uh, qualifying and the next nine runners up go into playoffs to determine four further places. Uh, to the tournament in Australia and New Zealand in 23. Hopefully, pandemic allowing, we'll get some crowds into that because I think the, the last World Cup stimulated a lot of interest in women's football. Yeah, no, absolutely, Richard. And I, I do believe that 
Strutland Women's team should fancy um, getting out of that group. Um, I don't think have they have they appointed a new manager yet. I haven't I haven't heard any announcements. Uh, or seen nothing official. I, I believe there's a couple of names in the mix. Yeah, I mean that that seems to be taking quite a while. I mean I know the SFA's probably got all their focus on the men's team at the moment, but um, you'd think that they would be sort of getting that sorted out because Shelley Terre resigned quite a while ago. So. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that that hasn't been sort of sorted out, but there you go. So the final of finals of finals this season, which is the final final of the Scottish Cup, which has had a final already this season, uh, Celtic hang on to that particular cup um, by the skin of their penalty teeth. Um, and Chris Ayer's celebration will live long in the memory, but this weekend is the turn of the Saints. Um, Rangers who succumbed to nothing holy this season apart from St. Johnson and St. Mirren. Uh, this time we're going at St. Johnson's Johnson to the final against Hibernian. Hibernian looking quite strong. Um, Jack Ross likely to be wearing a dapper wee number as he has been all season. Um, but Callum Davidson's done a great job at St. Johnson and they are coming out the other side of a COVID outbreak and hoping to have players fit. But you know some of the key guys in, in that run, good old Stevie May, uh, among others, uh, unable to play for St John's or even train for about ten days until they were they were COVID clear. So for me, that tips the balance a wee bit. I, the, kind of, the heart says St Johnson because I think they've. I mean, it's just been a, a absolutely brilliant end to what's been an amazing season for them, and um, <laughs> maybe they should have another season without the fans, eh? And um, because they've done so well this season, but um, Hibs are looking quite a bit stronger. Kevin is, but one of the few non-old firm inclusions in the in the, the squad for the upcoming finals. He's a good season, as have others. Christian Doidge, who's um, uh, had a great season and, and their Young Player of the Year. Also, uh, Doig, I think, uh, um, had a good season. So lots of players at, at Hibs, but they've just been so inconsistent and that is the biggest problem. It's like watching French rugby, which team's going to turn up on the day. Um, yep, I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said there, Richard. Um, yes, Cam Davison. I mean, if he wins two trophies in the one season, does he just retire from football and just sort of just like does somebody does the does the St Johnson manager, uh, sorry, um, chairman just give him a million pounds and just say live on an island somewhere and just just you know claim your fame and just leave it at that because i mean if they do yeah. win two trophies this season then i mean it's all downhill from there memorably you said that would make them the, the second most successful scottish league club of the past decade i did say that i did say that um and yeah and it's it's possible it could happen uh look i think you, you, your criticism of hibs is correct i think they have strung together some good performances in recent weeks i think they've been a little bit more consistent which like you say they have lacked in other cups and you know at certain times this season um i think they're gonna have a lot of firepower in terms of putting st johnson under some serious pressure however st johnson have built their wins and their cup success on a frugal backline that is just you know, been very organised, very disciplined, not conceding cheap goals. Xander Clark's founder has grown another leg sort of in the last, you know, second half of the season sort of thing. So it's going to be hard to predict. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking looking forward to it. I, I think it'll be a good game to watch. I think, you know, I would expect Hibs to come out all guns blazing. I would expect St. Johnson maybe hit on the counter. Um, 
but I, I think we're up for a good game of football and it's honestly a cup final where you don't know honestly hand on your heart how it's going to go it's it, it, it's just going to depend on the day and I think that's exciting and how, how often in the, in the past have we had that with a Scottish Cup final would you know Celtic's dominance all the rest of it but um you know obviously the, the saying that though the final against Hearts to end last season Scottish Cup was you know that was a nail biter and I was hiding behind the couch at times as part of that one but um yeah I think it'll be a good game and I think you'd be crazy to try and predict the result but I think Does that mean that might- you're not going to try well, well, I'm saying that I'm sorry to try because you know we're oh, sh- on, shit, shit. Give us, give us, give us I, a mother ball. Give us. Give I, the think, I think. I think Hibbs will strape in just by a goal. Okay, That's so I need to go St Johnson. Then I've kind of, I've kind of been hank pinning my thing with ever since they got Guy Melamed who transformed their lives. Um, very good. Look, a curtailed edition this week. Um, final thoughts for the week, Antonio. Um, I just. Yeah, want Celtic to announce a manager. <laughs> like, it's, Quite enough, Brad. <laughs> this has been has been dragging on for ages. It's just like yeah, we need we need some sort of focus on the future. And uh, sorry, and the other thing I will say is uh, what happened to Peter Lowell this week was absolutely abhorrent, um, and there's no need for that. And I, I really hope that it's nothing to do with football, and it's just some absolute nut job who deserves to be put behind bars for it. But there's absolutely absolutely no need. It's just reckless and it's terrorism and it's just absolutely disgusting. So that's sorry, that's what I sh- should be sort of finishing on there. So yeah, that's my reflection too. I mean, I am actually really happy for Rangers that they've they've kind of broken that duck. It's a massive achievement what they've done. But um, yeah, just a real shame that there's so many guys assisting the constabulary with their inquiries following uh, the George Square embarrassment really and and the, the thing to remember about this of course is that that's the prism through which the rest of the world sees Scotland uh, it's got nothing to do and they care very little for the clubs and whoever's involved but it becomes a, a reflection of the society um, so yeah that's been most unfortunate but on a much more positive note I'm really excited a major finals and it's happening in about three weeks time brilliant I hope, and there will hopefully will be fans there. So that's the that's really exciting, and I must admit that will make it feel like football again. So can't wait. You'll hear from us again. We'll um we'll be doing some some stuff around the Euros. So watch this space. We'll be back. Speak to you soon, Richard. Cheers. Bye-bye.